Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast. Um, my name is Kyle Carr. I wanted to, first off, give some thoughts on everything that has happened in the world in the past couple of weeks regarding the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. Um, as everyone is aware, the continued police brutality that has been displayed primarily towards unarmed African-Americans in this country has gotten to a boiling point. Me personally, it's interesting just because I experience this every day. It's something that I'm going to experience and my son's going to experience and everyone that looks like me will experience. And now it's not just that that people are aware of, but also just the general state of how things are. You're seeing very much peaceful protests going on and on, which end up turning into violence, primarily on the side of the police department. We've seen a lot of people try and say, well, not all cops and saying all lives matter. And both of those things more or less is just indicating that you either don't get it or you're too ignorant to get it. So for all of those out there that need an outlet that need someone to talk to, you're free to reach out to me and DM me. I can't guarantee I'm going to be the most inspiring person or optimistic person. Um, just in my personality, I've been very pessimistic. I guess the only things I can say is for those that have been out protesting and have been opposing, you know, what the police have been doing, keep it up for those that are continuing to support Black Lives Matters movement. Keep it up for those that are just trying to understand what their privilege is and use that for the better. Keep that up as well. Um, but this is also something that has to keep going, not just after video footage of an unarmed black person gets killed. It has to be something that continues every other time, even when it's not in the media, even if it's just a regular Wednesday, it has, you have to keep going. You have to keep that same energy uh, just because in order for change to happen, it's going to be a long battle. So that's all I have to say. Um, I will transfer it over to Riley, who has been very close to the situation as well. So Riley, take it away. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you put it well, Kyle, and <clears throat> being somebody who's lived in Minneapolis for about eight years now, you know, I can't necessarily speak, obviously, to the experience of, you know, Black citizens, African-American citizens in Minneapolis and their experiences with MPD in specific, and then, you know, wider across the country with police brutality. And yeah, obviously, the, the videos, the experiences, all those, I mean, and, and this is what drives me probably the craziest is, like you said, the the simplification almost, the disregard that is attached to that simplification of the problem, the um, the insistence by some that racism was solved years ago. I'm not sure whatever, you know, there's there's this almost this desire to push it to the side, act like it doesn't exist anymore, that and it never even fully existed in the first place. And I think, like I said, it just, it shows a level of ignorance, an unwillingness to look the problem in the face and realize the the denial of basic rights that you know large portions of this country are you know that are denied to them and so I, I think it's a good time like you said for those who are already wholeheartedly supporting it to continue to protest um, to continue to get out there and demand change whether it be locally here in Minneapolis with the police department whether it be in wherever you live whatever city whatever part of the country around the world the problem is. You know, it's deep seated here, but it's it's a global issue as well in a lot of different places and a lot of different ways. And so, you know, like you said, if you're already out there supporting it, you know, full power to you. And hopefully we can continue to push and get the meaningful change that will rectify the situation. And it 
And if you aren't out there fully supporting, if you if you're the type who, you know, is, is uncomfortable with the conversation or, or believes that the whole situation is a little bit too blown up, I, I would just ask you to to please listen again to your fellow citizens, to to your neighbors, to to people that you on a human basis care for, because we are all humans, and to look back into this country's history because it's it it was the original sin of this country, and it's a problem that. You know, there was a, a bloody civil war was fought over, and right after the fact, see, the ball was dropped, and the the basic rights that we are to guarantee to our black citizens, to you know, people of color, it, it was it was it was failed right from the get go, and it's been failed for a long, long time. And so, um, I, I would just ask that those who who have the time, who have the interest, and I think it's in everybody's interest as as somebody who lives in this country to look into it, to educate yourself, to to understand the difficulty of those that you might not experience, but that's simply thanks to the color of your skin and the way things are set up in this country. So I, I, I don't have any sort of, you know, revolutionary takes. I don't have, you know, an insight beyond what others have already shared out there, but that's kind of my, my perspective, I think, at this point on it. Thanks, guys. I don't, I don't have anything more eloquent to say, I think, other than, than what you two have, have really well stated so far. Uh, I know out in, you know, for myself personally, uh, moving to Philadelphia, which is obviously a significantly more diverse city than the, you know, country town I grew up in, Wisconsin, um, forced me to look at a lot of implicit biases that I was sort of disturbingly unaware of. I think, um, and I think that's probably the case for a lot of other people. Um, so, for for me, obviously, uh, you know, an important wake up call and push to educate myself. Uh, hopefully, a lot of others feel the same way. Um, you know, following this and, you know, hopefully we can really improve our lives and everyone's lives for the better and moving on well into the future. So um, I don't think there's anything more um, or anything, any easy way to transition into uh, talk about Bucks basketball, but um, hopefully uh, what Kyle and, and Riley said um, is informative for everyone out there. Um, Kyle put out a, a Great statement on Brew Hoop's Twitter you can look at. There's also a note on our um, Brew Hoop website uh, that Mitchell Maurer wrote that's good, has some some action items uh, that people can uh, immediately take action upon, obviously. So, um, but we're, we're going to move on now to the reason that we've, we've finally reconvened together, fellas, which is to talk about the return of basketball in um, eight more weeks. So it's still disturbingly long away, uh, long ways away as well. It's like we're going to have to keep coming up with content in the interim, I guess, now, <laughs> uh, which I that sounds awful, but uh, I guess we'll do it. Um, so, all right, guys, just some brief overview of the plan before we, we get your immediate takes on it. So I think most people know the details now by now, but league will officially tip off on July 31st. There's going to be 13 Western Conference teams nine Eastern Conference teams for a total of 22 teams. They're going to be playing eight regular season games, or as they are apparently dubbed, seeding games now to try and determine the seeding for the playoffs. Um, the There is a potential play-in tournament for the eight and nine seeds, which could be impactful for the Bucks. Um, but the nine seed has to be within four games of the eight seed in order to force this two-game play-in tournament. To be honest, it all seems a little too complicated for a stupid lastie that will get with, but um, that's fine. Uh, so, you know, they're going to be all quarantined 
at Walt Disney Resort for all games, practice housing. Training camp begins June can begin June 30th uh, in local practice facilities, but then everyone's going to be in Orlando starting July 7th. It's going to run until the last possible date. could be October 12th. Playoff seating is going to be basically what we expected, so no sort of radical World Cup format or anything like that was thrown out there. Basically, it's just Thank kind God. of what it, what it was going to be. <laughs> So I don't know. Those are the broad strokes. We'll go into more specifics later, but um, I don't know, Kyle, what was your first impression when they finally announced it? I'm just glad that it wasn't the world cup style because that would have been a disaster waiting to happen. Um, But in terms of the proposed thing that was out there, it seems like it's more trying to help out the Western conference teams that were within a chance of getting that a seed more than it was for the Eastern conference. Cause I feel with the Eastern conference, most of it is just going to figure out what the seeding is going to be. The bucks have the one seed. Sounds like the Raptors have the two seed and Celtics have the three seed. Those three look to be set in stone, but seeds four through nine are still questionable. Even though I think Miami, Philly and Indiana have technically clinched the playoff spot just because of the gap. It's going to be interesting to see how Philly does now that Ben Simmons might be healthier and Embiid might be out of shape going into you know the next <laughs> couple of games. Um, how they do for Indiana, where they were just getting Victor Oladipo back and he wasn't at a hundred percent. Maybe now he's at least health wise recovered, but now he's lost a couple months of playing basketball. And you look at stuff like that, Miami Heat, where. They seem to be a team that is always in shape, so now it's going to be a matter of do they stay in shape. So it's going to be interesting from the Eastern Conference perspective how that break helps some of those teams that are fighting for different playoff spots. Um, I don't know what the ideal seed is going to be. Do you want to be the three? Do you want to be the six seed so that way you only have to deal with Boston and potentially Toronto, and then you get Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, or do you want the four or five seed? It's an easier first round, but then you face Milwaukee in the second round. Is that really going to be better? Um, in terms of the AC, I don't know why they're doing this play-in game for the Eastern Conference. It seems like it's either going to be what Brooklyn or the Washington Wizards or the Orlando Magic beats a battle between these three teams, which no one cares about, and they are going to get crushed <laughs> in the first round anyway. Kevin Durant's not coming back, so therefore with the Nets, it's less interesting, and I don't think Kyrie's coming back either, so why bother? But on the Western Conference side, it'll be interesting to see how all those teams that are competing for that A seed battle. And I know having Zion there is always going to help the ratings. So it was an odd decision to do it this way and to have it be within a certain amount of games behind to have a play-in game. So it just seems like teams you're just playing extra games to try and make up some of that lost revenue. I don't fully understand it, but I like this idea more than the proposed World Cup style and even the 1 through 16 just reseeding it regardless of conferences. So in the end, it'll be interesting to have basketball in late July and August and September. That'll be a different dynamic, but with all the other sports that are going on and every other sports league seeming to either resume the games with no fans or just have the games in neutral venues, it's going to be interesting to see how the league handles it moving forward, especially at Disney World, because I think they're going to be opening back up in the next month. So now we're running to the ra- that risk in which what if Brooke and Robin Lopez decide Splash Mountain and Space Mountain are more important than just hanging out and get coronavirus and spread that, and then we have a situation like this all over again. 
I, my initial take when I saw this plan and pretty much all the plans they've been coming up with is sheer shock and amazement that we had gotten to a point where we could consider coming back because when they put the season on hold in those first couple of weeks, like the first month and a half after putting the season on hold, everything looked so doom and gloom and it's still not great. I mean, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Like besides everything else that's going on, there is still a pandemic going and Lord knows what's going to happen after these coming weeks here. And so I applaud them, I guess, for coming up with the idea. And it looks like for the most part, you know, whether it be the daily testing, whether it be the way that they're going to try and reduce the number of people that are going to be in this, you know, quote unquote bubble that they're setting up. I think they should get credit for trying to think of all the different ideas and all the different angles they could work to make this happen. Um, I think it was also good of them not to try and bring all 30 teams back because that feels like that would have been overkill for the number of people. You know, I, I understand the lost revenue is something, but you, you have to wonder how much is it worthwhile to try and make this happen with all 30 teams if for a lot of them, again, the season was already effectively over at that point. So again, credit to them for trying to thread the needle. I know that's difficult. And I think this seeding game, regular season, however you want to call it, is probably the best of all options. I don't have a lot of strong takes just yet about the way they set it up. I think I agree with you, Kyle, that setting up, just leaving it the one through eight on the Eastern or Western Conference sides. It, to me, there is an interest in having one through 16, but this is probably not the season or the situation to try and run it out. Um, there is still something compelling about the opportunity to like continue to play the Boston Celtics or the Raptors or whoever it is in the playoffs year after year to build up a little bit of rivalry to kind of decide who's the latest and greatest between those two teams. And, and if you get a chance to like play Philly or whoever it happens to be to prove yourself in this conversation we've had all season. So I think it's appropriate not to change it in the middle of the year. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. I'm still nervous about if somebody tests positive for it, how they're going to deal with that. Um, if they're just, because if you assume one player got it, you know, Lord knows if anybody else got it on the team. And if all of a sudden it goes from like one player, like DJ Wilson gets coronavirus, not picking on you specific DJ, but if he gets it and then for whatever reason, you know, three quarters of the rest of the team gets it. What do you do in that case? And I feel like maybe that's an overreaction on my part. Maybe it's unrealistic, but we have to face up to the fact that these are going to be dudes who are playing a physical sport right on top of each other. Um, and they're, they're working in a situation with a lot of unknowns and I appreciate that, but that's just kind of the difficulty of it. So good on them for coming up with probably one of the better solutions in an unideal situation, but we're going to have to see how it works out once we actually start playing. Yeah. Well, let's push the safety discussion to the side, just like the NBA has so far. Um, (laughs) and let's, I just, I want to ask you guys, if this were like a regular buck season, you know, the bucks are like what six seed, seven seed. Would you have wanted one of the alternative formats? Would that would you have been more excited by by one of those alternative formats? Because that's what that struck me as. It's like no one really like no one's excited about the Bucks playing the Magic or the Nets or the Wizards in the first round. But everyone was like, "Wow!" But what if we get this cool, you know, World Cup style matchup round or one through sixteen? Here's who the Bucks would get to face. Um, you know, I think it would still be a team that stinks. I think it would have still been the same Easter conference. It still would have been the magic. Yeah. So like, <laughs> but like, let's say the Bucks were like a regular, you know, lower rung team. Would you have been more excited by one of the alternative formats? I, I suppose I would have just because then you introduce 
at least as a fan, you would feel like there's maybe there's more chance involved when it's like, oh, well, before we would have been consigned to definitely getting just totally walloped by whoever the one or two seed is in our conference. And if you kind of juggle things a little bit or jumble it up, maybe that changes stuff. And depending on how they would, if you did like the World Cup style, if that's just what we're going to call it, if you reduce the number of games each team has to play against each other, you could have like a hot, whatever, like four games and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we, we won our group and we knocked the bucks out or what, you know, whoever it would happen to be. So I think if I was like a six seed team fan, yeah, I'd probably be interested or excited by it, but um, I'm not sure if necessarily, if you're going into the season that's already been really interrupted or altered by this pandemic, if necessarily it makes sense to be like, let's just alter it all on the get go. So I think it'd be cool, but just for simplicity's sake, I think it makes most sense for people who are watching from the outside, people who are coming in, try and maintain the regularity throughout the rest of the season. And then maybe you can try and experiment in the future. I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess like if you are a Utah jazz fan or even like a Denver nuggets fan, it actually, the nuggets would probably hate it the most, but I'm just thinking if you're one of those other teams, it might benefit you. Cause then you don't have to potentially go through the Clippers and the Lakers. Like right now you only have to go through, maybe a Boston Celtics team, maybe a Miami Heat team, maybe, you know, some of these teams that are still, like, good but not at the upper level. Um, I just don't know if that, yeah, like Riley said, this is not the season to try and try something drastically new. If they want to do the World Cup style for this, like, supposed midseason tournament, I'm all for it. No problem. Go for it. If you want to do it that way, that's great. But I don't think it would be the best idea to try and determine a champion with go with a whole new format midway through the season. The only way you, the only reason why you're doing this format is because you lost all this time because of a pandemic that no one would have saw coming. It would have, it just makes it really difficult to really feel like whoever would end up on top was truly the best champion. Cause what if you end up having say, I'm trying to think of a team that no one would primarily care about. I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz anyway. So the Utah Jazz <laughs> win this whole thing because so they get a group and they don't get the Bucks or the Lakers or the Clippers. They get the Raptors and they finish second in the group. They somehow avoid, they continue avoiding these teams just based off of how everything went. Then it's more of a question of you didn't beat any of the best teams to get there. It's just that the best teams kind of got picked apart or someone else took care of them. And, I get, and that's the same thing with the playoffs, but at least with the playoffs, you see like, Okay, you were the four seed, so therefore you won. You, pay, you tentatively play the one or eight. If the one seed were to lose, okay, whatever, but you still have to take care of the two or three seed that are still below you. Well, at the World Cup, all top seeds could be out by the group stage, and then you're going in with lower seeds. It's kind of like if everyone talks about NCAA tournament and having March Madness and having your bracket be busted, and you end up with, you know, 12 seed and team in the lead eight, it's like, okay, were they really the best team or because it was such a one-off, anything could happen, variability tournament, that no one's going to really consider them the best team. It's not, like I said, it's not the best way to determine an NBA regular season, ch- the champion of the playoffs. But if they want to do that for a tournament midseason, I'm all for it. Yeah, it, it seems to me, I, I, I think it makes sense. It makes sense to go with the decision that they ultimately made. Um, I can say personally, me as a Bucks fan, I kept getting riled up at the idea of having to go through the Clippers and Lakers in those alternative formats, which is whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But it does feel like at the end of the day, they were like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. 
Um, we're just going to do the playoffs like how we planned it. And it's just yeah. going to be the same old, same old, um, which is good. I think, I think they are worried about having any sort of asterisk, um, you know, labeled onto this, this champion. I still don't really understand that argument given there's no home court advantage. Everyone's like mm-hmm. going to be playing on even, even footing, even, even footing in an uneven, you know, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that has always run pretty hollow to me. Now, is there any interest for you, Riley, in this play in tournament um, given we are one of the few teams who it will actually impact. It, se- it seems like a really pretty lame idea to me, to be honest. It doesn't feel like uh, it, it, like that nine seed has to be within four games of the mm-hmm. eight seed. Right now, I believe the Wizards are five and a half games um, like behind the, behind the Magic or something. So yeah. like, is there any interest for you given it will actually impact the Bucks? A little bit, I guess. I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting insofar as it'll be more compelling than the seeding games. I'm guessing I'm going into this, assuming that the eight seeding games, unless of course you're one of the lowest, like out of the playoffs, or, like right on the edge, I think it's going to be pretty lackadaisical for the most part and super rusty basketball. It'd be like summer league, but with like all the big name players instead of like DJ Wilson and company. Um, so I, I guess it's slightly interesting just because, I mean, I, I guess it would be cool to have Bradley Beal and Chris Middleton duel for like a series <laughs> or whatever. Like it'd just be a high scoring series. But I think it would be more interesting if we were on the Western Conference side, just because there are a lot more possibilities. But because it seems like it's pretty much limited, and obviously it could change based on how those eight games go. But the Bucks readily handled pretty much all the lower seed teams. And so I wouldn't, the only thing would be like if, KD was going to come back or something like that. That might be obviously a, a little bit of a game changer, but since that doesn't seem to be happening, all the lower rung teams in the East are seem to be pretty uncompetitive against Milwaukee. Now it would be really fitting if uh, we go down to Orlando, uh, the magic somehow gin up some of that Disney magic and they, uh, they beat the bucks in the first round and John Hammond gets the final laugh. I guess that would be poetic in its own way, but outside of that angle, I, I really don't care all that much i understand why they have to do it to justify bringing the teams in but it, it just seems like it's it's more so something that's benefiting the western conference than anything that matters on the eastern side well it, any other general thoughts before we talk about like some of the specifics and actually discuss the, the some of the safety elements or concerns and potential impacts that could have on the bucks the yeah, only I, thing i would oh, oh. So you go can ahead. go for it Kyle. you go first I was going to say, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, is more how the calendar is going to work. That's interesting to me in terms of when they're going to potentially have the draft lottery and the draft and free agency at start to next season. So that I don't that we can talk about later, but that's going to be the thing that sticks out to me. And who am I kidding? I'm still going to watch regardless of play a game or see the game because I have been watching any live sports that have been on, whether it's being up at 5 a.m. on chance of watching Korean baseball or the – high amounts of German soccer, now Portuguese soccer that I've been watching. If it's if it's on, I will watch it. Yeah, I think the ratings are to be crazy for a lot of these games. Like, it's to be like, oh, thank Even if it's really awful, uh, Summer League in Disney World, like, weird. Like, it's just the novelty of it all will probably drive ratings. And, like, like you said, Kyle, I'll probably be right there with you, even if I have some misgivings about uh, the whole situation, how they're trying to handle the safety aspect. The only other thing I would note is if they did the 1 through 16 – 
it would suck having to play both the Clippers and the Lakers to get to the finals, but it would also be pretty badass to be like, well, we just beat literally every good team on our way to a championship. So that would be kind of cool, I guess. But uh, and I, I think I'm comfortable. I think most people are probably comfortable with, let's keep it relatively the same. Nothing about this is going to be normal, but if we can try and simulate normal as best as we can, it's probably for the best. And I think the idea of them doing the 2K crowd noise is the most <laughs> it's, it's so hilarious i know we're going to get into like the specifics of the actual games and breaking all that down but i think that's another fold to it that is really quite beautiful and i'm looking forward to see how that works oh, okay <laughs> all right let's <laughs> let's get into some of those specifics okay so so they're gonna have three courts there basically where they'll be able to play um there will be i'm just reading some these are from Woj's article i think four hours between games on each individual court to accommodate overtimes cleanings and warm-ups so basically that means some games will be played theoretically because they want five or six games a day. Some games will be played mid-afternoon, you know, which is always which is is something that I find impactful for the for the Bucks. Um as we all know, the Bucks don't play super great when it's uh not a night game. So I'll be curious to see how that affects them. Um there's gonna be one back to back for each team. Um you can't ride the rides in Walt Disney World. I think we covered that already. Um, they're planning to have daily testing there. If a player tests positive, they haven't like ruled, you know, rolled out their whole plan yet, but they said they, at least initially they plan to just remove that player from the team, put them in quarantine, kind of how it seems like the, the Bundesliga has been doing it. And then, um, they're going to receive treatment individually, continue to test other team members. Um, player families will be able to join after the first round of the playoffs. So, That'll be uh, you know a treat for those of you who are able to get past the first round of the playoffs. Um, I don't know what like how, how do you guys feel about the the sort of specifics? You know they've talked about the potential two K crowd noise simulation that's going to be in there. They I feel like we're waiting to hear about how the players are going to like sit on benches. There was talk about older coaches you know getting mad that they were being you know ageist. Um, the league was being ageist and presuming that because they were you know, 65, they're at a higher risk for the coronavirus, and some of them battled back against that, um, despite the fact the CDC said that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That one, that was a weird thing to me. But anyway, I don't know. Kyle, you were about to talk about the two-coin noise, like the general, like, vibe of these games. What? How, are you, how do you feel about it? So I'll just use my experience of watching the Bundesliga the past few weeks. Lately, Fox have incorporated sound noise into their audio even though it's not, it's not like the stadium is playing the audio. It's just the broadcast itself. So it'll have. So if you're watching on TV, it sounds like there are fans there, and I applaud the idea. But it's not the same. It's not. It's not a genuine feeling. So trying to pipe in audio doesn't necessarily. It doesn't. It just doesn't feel authentic. It kind of just feels like you're just faking it to f- just to make it sound passable and i mean we're at the point where it's going to be empty crowds everyone's going to know that no matter what you do it's not real and i don't know how that's really going to impact the players because i feel like 2k just adds generic noise where play like crowds get a little bit louder when the home team scores and does something good and then they get quiet when the road team so it's not it's even more of a why are we even bothering to do this because at least with the Bundesliga, you still get the crowds authentic chance you still get you know, stuff that that particular home crowd does, it's still at least 
even if you're watching it, it still feels like you're watching an actual sport, but it's not the same. And how they try and do this, and whether it gets through the broadcast or through the arena, I just don't love that idea of just piping in noise, just let it be. And maybe it's because they're afraid that people are going to hear words and swearing, <laughs> which in that case, you're going to have to grow up because they're grown they're grown men. They can, they're going to swear probably. But that's just my one issue with trying to pipe in audio is it's not authentic and it's not – everyone knows it's not authentic and it doesn't really make it – it doesn't make the viewing experience better. At the end of the day, people are going to watch just for the basketball. They're not going to watch for the sounds and sights that they're going to see. Well, Kyle, I would be curious because you're following German soccer way better than I am, or even Adam, if you know more. Are they doing it over there where they have the bubble concept, or are they doing the usual travel to each other's stadiums, like as if the season was going on as per usual? Like, are they moving travel? Yeah, they're still going to the stadiums of the home team. So they're still traveling. And I mean, that could work in Germany because it's significantly smaller than the United States. But yeah, they're still doing testing the players on the bench. They're wearing masks and they're six feet apart. It's kind of funny because you'll see, you know, you'll have like one player and then you'll have like another player like six feet to their left and then maybe a player like six feet behind them. So they're using as much of the empty stadium as possible for the bench. So that's what they're doing. I know um, MLS is going to be having their season kind of in Orlando as well. NWSL, which is the women's soccer league, they're going over to Utah. So they're just going to have it at that location. So I think in the United States, it's just going to one central spot because it's too large of a country to just travel back and forth. While in places like England and Spain and Germany and Portugal, you're, it's a lot easier for them to just bounce around because it's only you know a couple hours bus ride and everyone's still within their bubble they're still doing daily testing yeah yeah i think just looking at the the actual game ops how they're going to be doing it i I think it'll be fascinating watching one are they gonna have everybody spread out on the bench uh i find it hilarious that um the coaches were like you know what i'm gonna go out here i'm gonna be coronavirus's ass if it tries to take me down so i thought that was an interesting take from i understand the reticence because it would definitely be hamstringing if your coach like if mike d'antoni had to be like in a remote room somewhere obviously that i understand why there was issues with that i thought that was just a funny little fold um it's going to be strange i think everybody agrees on that but there is something where like you said kyle if we can keep it not authentic to the game experiences you normally would see it with like i know there were proposals like oh we'll just play in like the music over the speakers like we normally would we'll have like every time a three makes then we'll have david gruber t-shirts shot at the walls or something to like (laughs) simulate the buck song like so i i think all those are interesting but i think it would be more compelling for the viewer if we could keep it as minimalist as possible because i think everybody can acknowledge this is a really strange situation you can lean into that and say, yes, it's strange, but this will give you an access to the players and access to the way the game is played in a way that you don't get during your normal broadcast. Um, now, whether or not you want all the extra stuff tossed in to make it comfortable for the players, if that's something that they really need um, to like feel in the zone per se, but these guys are really competitive. We've seen it in like, even just like off season scrimmages or whatever. I don't think they necessarily need all these other things to come and play to their highest ability so um, i think it'll probably be if they do music even if it's just over the broadcast which i think would be super lame but if they did that like i said it would be like to censor whatever's happening on the court but to me if i was a tv executive and obviously i'm not uh i think it would be more compelling and probably 
a better experience for viewers to be like, this is weird, but we can enjoy these extra things that you normally wouldn't be able to enjoy or access that you wouldn't normally get because of the way things are right now. So um, the actual play, the games themselves, it's, it's just going to be, is, are these in like the same courts that they use for Orlando summer league? Do you know, like with the, uh, they essentially look like YMCA courts. Like if those are those Probably. courts, that they, that's, yeah, then it's going to so. be like, it's going to be an even more interesting. It's like, well, these guys are pretty much, they're trying to decide the NBA finals in my YMCA court. Like it's just going to be a, a weird experience for everybody. So let's lean into that rather than try to step back because we already got the normal, norm, uh, normalcy of the playoff setup. We can lean into these other weird things just because it's so up in the air right now that it's whatever at this point. Do you, what do you think the chances are of that? I feel like there's, I feel like people have been pretty, you know, reticent to think that they're going to allow them to like pipe in the specific, you know, audio from the players or coaches. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels like uh, from everything that like, I'm just like here on podcasts they seem like all the players and coaches would be against that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, so like, again, the, the equivalent is going to be for a lot of this, the way that summer league is set up, because I don't think, I mean, there's like barely any fans in the Orlando because again, it's like the YMCA gym. So there's small crowds, but it's not to the extent of like even the Vegas Summer League. So if you're looking to that, I don't think they pipe in fan noise for that. And obviously there are more people than there will be for this. But even when you're watching that, they must do a pretty good job of muting or like catching anything that happens on the court. And so I figure they're just going to do that. Like you don't need to pipe in fan noise. You don't need to pipe in music unless it's like a specific demand of the players to make them feel like it's a normal game. Um, I, I think they already have everything in place for the broadcast that if the players and coaches don't want that noise out there for like strategic reasons, for PR reasons, whatever, they can make it happen. They don't necessarily have to do it with fake crowd noise um, in I don't know. It's it. I think we're probably thinking a little too hard. If if they decide to not go for seeing the actual court itself, that's fine. It's whatever. I guess I, I don't feel strongly about it one way or the other. Yeah, I think they're going to have the cameras far enough that they won't pick up on it either. It's one of those like you might hear a couple shouts from a coach if they're in the arena. You might hear a couple shouts from the players, but you're not going to be able to hear the full dialogue that they're. You're not going to be able to hear the conversations if they're shouting. Then you might hear it and they'll pick it up. But ESPN's kind of done this enough times with the summer league where you're not. It's not going to be. I don't think it's going to make a difference, and I don't think there's going to be any issues on that end. So let's talk a little bit about the safety concerns you were talking about earlier, Riley. And apparently they're going to unveil a plan. I think someone said maybe this week they're going to talk about their plan. Um, I don't know. How did, how did you guys feel initially? They've been talking for, for months about how they're talking with experts, epidemiologists, all these kind of people. Um, I guess I kind of presumed that that would be a key part of the initial plan rollout, uh, part of the initial public you know media rollout. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe they wanted a little more Maybe they even wanted to like throw out their plan, gauge a little public interest via that, and then you know cycle back and see and make sure their safety concerns might be addressing all of us, you know, who are going up with our pitchforks and saying, you know, why don't you have all these safety concerns in place? I, I think the the key question, you know, the player gets coronavirus, they've said well, we might quarant- we'll quarantine them. It's not like a super great answer. I mean, like that's we've known that for four months. We've all done that. Um, so I don't know, <laughs> like what. What were you guys feeling about the the seemingly lack of um, scientific and medical, you know, principles and and your plan rollout when they initially launched this? I mean, I already 
am not loving the idea of live sports coming back in this country because this country has not shown any capability of containing this whole pandemic. I mean, you can get away with it in Germany because Germany has gotten to the point where there's enough mass testing where if there is a confirmed case, they've had a protocol, kind of like the same with South Korea, where they've been able to have a structure that allows it to let things process as normal. But in America, that's not the case. So I was already not loving it just for that reason alone. And the fact that they didn't have much of a plan, I'm sure they have enough information and guidance to go through with trying to resume the season because if there wasn't, if it was at the point where it still wasn't safe enough, they wouldn't do it. As much as we talk about money and everything else, I think there's still some level of reason that they're not just going to go back for the sake of going back. Otherwise, they would have just continued to play in the games regardless. So I don't know. I guess I'm okay with the lack of a plan just because I know there is some form of information and plan to have the games resume. If they rolled out the idea last week to see how everybody would feel about it, they had to be really encouraged with everybody going, hell yeah, the basketball <laughs> is back. Because I don't think I saw any sort of takes for the most part online. Like, oh, I'm kind of concerned about what they're going to do about the – like everybody was just super pumped about it, which I understand. But if they were waiting for like a public backlash, it was not coming. Um, no, I think Kyle's point about the situation in the wider country still being pretty fluid, I think it will be – it'll look strange again if they're going forward with this um, when we have like another wave of mass death coming after all the events of the past couple weeks, like that's going to be a weird sort of like situation to deal with. I was always a little nervous about the fact that, you know, having all the players in one place. Okay. Having all the coaches. Okay. Having families after the first round that helps get rid of that issue. But then also all the like catering staff, all the hotel maintenance staff, all like the game day ops people, like maybe, I mean, the NBA has enough money most likely to be able to just like get all the tests that they want. You can still wonder like, is that the best thing for the country given there are still issues with getting testing going around here? I mean, <laughs> kind of seems like people are going to ignore that once the basketball starts. Um, I, I did find it interesting in the weeks leading up to them kind of coming out with this plan. I think it was like Kevin O'Connor and the ringer, like he had a, a, a piece about how the NBA was, like you said, Adam, working with epidemiologists, working with different researchers. They almost like couched it in terms where like the NBA was going to fund the cure. Like they were going to be the ones who <laughs> they were throwing enough money at it to like figure out the vaccine. It's just, I understand if they don't have necessarily a really strong plan because there is no other basis upon which like any other examples to go off of i think they did the best they could to try and balance concern about health with the need for revenue and bring in oh so many teams to get that revenue again i'm just concerned that we're going to run into a situation where you a player gets coronavirus what if that player is Giannis? you know and do you just at that point take the l and say you know what Uh, that sucks for the bucks but that's just how it's got to be because we can't have Giannis out there and the team's going to keep playing and we're just going to see whether or not they can make it from there on out. Like, I don't know. It's just going to be difficult. And really we're going to have to wait for the rubber to hit the road. And even if the other thing too, is like, what if it's just like a staffer, like a coach, part of the coaching staff, but they get infected, like everybody else gets tested and how long are people being asymptomatic and things like that. So I'm concerned insofar as, like you said, there's not much of a plan besides everybody's going to stay distanced. But like you said, everybody else is already doing that already. So 
it seems mixed. I think it might, I don't think it'll be a disaster, but I think there are going to be a lot of things, a lot of teams that might be upset if players get it. And it feels inevitable that teams get it or some players teams are going to get it at some point or another, just because it's so prevalent everywhere. One of the weirdest things though, is that they're going to try and have the players sit on the bench and socially distant and everything, but then they're still going to be like writing each other's face once around the court. So I don't get that point of it. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. I, I, I think I think you you make a valid point, Riley. That and you, Kyle, you said this too about just balancing risk versus you know. I think that's. I mean, that's something every single person that is alive has to do, right? Like we can't all just quarantine, you know, in in perpetuity. We've all had to kind of venture out, take whatever precautions we can. I mean, obviously, we know a lot more now than we did two months ago. Wearing masks help. All these kind of things. So, like, realistically. They're kind of like any other business or state, and they're like, "All right, well, we we have we're going to go out. We know there's a reasonable level of risk, but we're going to try and move ahead with this anyway." I think my main concern is I still so they've they've talked. I, I'm very curious what testing they want to use. It sounds like the players are pretty against the like full nasal swab, which like can't blame a dude for getting a swab put all the way into their brain or whatever ninety days in a row. Um, so we'll see. I think Sham Sharani has said they might do like the the likely mouth or light nasal swab. Um, so, you know, we'll have to wait and see what that that full extent of that is. Sorry, go ahead, Kyle. I will say, I don't know, like, what the nasal one, because I just got the nasal one a couple of days ago, and that wasn't as, you know, and they didn't, I feel like they didn't go all the way to your brain, like, it kind of tickles a little bit, so... <laughs> I don't know what these kind of tests they're doing, if they're going all the way in or if they're just doing, maybe it's just different <laughs> testing methods, but <laughs> when I heard like, oh yeah, players don't want the whole thing going to the brain, I was like, that's going to happen to me. And make sure I got the right test. <laughs> yeah. I want well, them I want them to have Kyle come in over Skype and be like, guys, it's not that big of a deal. I lived through it. They don't even go all the way to your brain. <laughs> like, it's just a little tickle. It's fine. Because <laughs> that was one of my fears when I was getting tested was like it going to your brain. But no, it's just, it was just a light tickle. Okay. Well, Kyle, you're going to want to test that. Check that out first when you get the results. Um, yeah. But my other thing is that I, I, like none of these tests are foolproof either. Like false positives, false negatives are still a huge issue. I talk about it with my wife all the time. There's some really weird stuff going on in these, even in intensive care units where, and other hospitals where they're testing people a couple of times. They're negative. They're negative. Oh, why are you positive all of a sudden after like three or four days straight of testing? Right. And then you wonder how long have they had it? Was this test wrong? How many people? And then like in that scenario, let's say it's been a day and your test the day before was negative and you played a game that day. How many people did you come into contact with? And like that scenario to me is still just like crazy to me that they're like, well, we'll quarantine this person. And then. You know, you have to test everyone else right away. Well, what happens if you infected, if you infected, like what the transmission rate is, like three and a half, three people. Okay. If you infected three other, like player on your team, two people on your other team, you multiply it slightly exponentially. Like, I don't know that, 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 that's crazy to me. The really, the, like the biggest issue I still have is the false positive, false negative, which like, there's not really a great way to get around that, but um, it, it's, I don't know. That's, that part's scary to me. I feel like we're all, and by we, I mean us three, everybody who's kind of like part of the (laughs) basketball watching public, like you said, we're all a little resigned to it at the fact that they're going to try this. I understand why they're trying it. I get the like revenue and the money aspect. I I understand the competitive drive, those sorts of things. 
Um, I think the NBA also wants to try. This is kind of also going to be a little bit of a test to see what works, what doesn't, if they try to go ahead with next season, like how they're going to work that out as well. So I, I understand why they're doing all this. Um, and they're not dumb per se. I, I think <laughs> none of us, it's just a, not an ideal situation. And you're running into that with this need for like to generate millions of dollars of revenue. And if you can't play basketball, you're not going to get that. So I'm, I'm also nervous. I, it's going to be, again, we're going to have to wait till see that, you know, <laughs> Rudy Gobert's luck. He's going to be another one who I know you don't, can't necessarily get it again, but he'll be the first guy on the planet to like test again. <laughs> he'll, he'll get it again. Uh, and then we're going to see where it goes from there. But uh, I don't know. It, it, it feels like um, we're in untested waters and it could get really crazy really quickly. And like I said, if it spreads like wildfire, I hope they have a policy in place. Like if they have to put the season on hold again and what they do from there, but we're just going to see once they get there, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I think the, the the one benefit we do have is like, this is going to be a controlled, contained environment. It's not like people mm-hmm. are moving outside the bubble, right? So they can enact as strict of contact tracing really and, and measures as they really need to. So like it will actually be a proper test case for us mm-hmm. to be able to kind of to, to contain everything. Um, maybe they'll even like come up with some policies that can help whatever contact tracing is like you know going on in the country and maybe needs a, a jolt this is going to be like a control group or something to give us a better idea of what might work what might not work so um you mentioned going into the next season we had talked about that earlier so just some of those dates that they were talking about the draft lottery they said they would move to around august 25th nba draft on october 15th so if the if there was a game seven in the finals it would be like the draft would be three days later uh, and then they'd floated training camps, maybe starting November 10th, the next season, maybe starting December 1st, although it seems like that's still under discussion with the, the, the players association. Uh, I, I mean, what did, what did those dates, you know, what was your initial reaction to those dates, Kyle? It was kind of terrifying that if you end <laughs> up winning the championship, your off season is a month and a half while mm-hmm. a t- some of the other teams that don't, that are not invited, the other eight teams, they're looking at what nine months of no basketball. So there's going to be an element of severe rustiness on one team side and lack of rest for the other team and how that impacts them later into the season moving forward for the team that barely gets any rest. So I don't know how that all works out just because like I said, it seems like the further you get into the playoffs, well, it's good if you don't win a championship and then you have to go turn around, you get them month off and the next you know okay we're starting training camp all over again that was my only concern and yeah i like riley said i get that you have to do it because of revenues and there's too much money to lose it's not like the g league where you can just cancel it and figure it out from there because it's not as much of a revenue generator but i i just don't know how i just don't know how it benefits any team that going that late and then having such a quick turnaround to start the next season. And especially with free agency, some of these teams are going to have to figure out, okay, we got to replace five or six players, or you have a couple players that need new contracts and you don't really give, it doesn't give yourself that much time to really plan and sit down and figure out here's who we need to replace. Here's who we need to draft. Here's who needs to do contract stuff like that. And I mean, with Milwaukee significantly with Giannis, you have Giannis and Supermax that you have to figure out, but you still have, you know, what do you do with Sterling Brown? What do you do with Pat Connaughton? What do you do with Marvin Williams? Ursan, he has his option. 
you still have DJ Wilson's decision with his option. You, there's just so many other players that you have to make decisions on. And instead of getting, you know, enough, a couple months to figure it out and fill out your roster, you really only have a few weeks. What I'm going to be terrified. I think terrified is the right word there, Kyle. And the reason why I apply that for me is I see that date. I see October 15th for the draft, right? I'm terrified of we're going to have all these months. We're going to have John Horse having all these months do his evaluation to get a feel for which players he likes and which he doesn't. We're going to get to draft night. And I'm going to trade the first for a couple of seconds. That's what I'm worried about. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to be. I'm terrified that we're going to have all this wait for something new. I mean, we'll have the basketball itself, but to have some new players to talk about, and we're just going to trade out a draft. So that's that's what I'm terrified about. The other thing I think is interesting. I don't know if they said if they're going to try and keep the free agency period, I think that's going to be, I'm really curious to see where the CBA negotiations go, because I think both the players and the teams are pretty much on board. Like, let's just get the season done. They've been, and you've seen over and over again, like ESPN and, and other places, the really good relationship that Adam Silver has with the players union. But I think it's going to get, potentially pretty ugly because you're going to have to move free agency around. You're going to have to move contracts around. You're going to have to move payments to players around, you know, it, it could get ugly. And so these are seem to be tentative dates that I don't know if the league has even agreed to with the players. Um, and are they going to move around? Are they just like ideas at this point? And we'll see where it goes once we start negotiating. So, you know, th they're nice as like a roadmap to see, okay, we're going to, probably going to try like a winter through summer season, like start in the middle of December or start in December, go through August or whatever. I think that's interesting in its own way, but I'm curious how much those dates stick in a concrete way once they start hashing out with the players union, because it could get pretty messy. I think once we start talking actual dollar details heading forward. Yeah. Well, we saw that with major league baseball, they're having issues with their players and trying to figure out an agreement um, I know on the soccer side, Major League Soccer was threatening a lockout if they couldn't come to an agreement with the players on a CBA negotiation. Granted, their CBA negotiation wasn't even signed before the regular season that started before coronavirus happened, but it definitely shows once owners realize we need to find a way to save as much money as possible and it's going to come at the expense of player salaries, players are not going to be happy about it. So how the NBA handles it, is going to be interesting. I think it's going to be one of the more safer leagues because Adam Silver has that good relationship with the players, but at the end of the day, can only control so much of what the other 30 owners that he has to pretty much report to say. Yeah. Uh, the, the CBA is going to be a, it's going to be a, a complicated, very, very complicated scenario, especially given we don't necessarily know if, if fans will even be able to attend games mm -hmm. for this next season. And, and as the NBA said, that's around 40% of their, um, BRI, which is, you know, 40%. It's nothing to sneeze at, obviously. Uh, so uh, that's, that's a pretty, pretty, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really should pick my words more carefully. But, um, anyway, uh, well, selfishly, one thing I'm concerned about is that if, I'm not going to say it, but whoever the champion is, it's very little time to gloat over other yeah. teams in the off season, right? That's you, you basically get a month. Well, you, you won't even get much time because it's like, you'll go into the draft. People will care about the draft. You'll go into free agency. People will care about the free agency. It's going to be the craziest free agency. Everyone's going to be like, this is the craziest free agency I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Look at, whoa, he keeps tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> and then, 
and then like it, training camp is going to start, and then no one's going to people won't won't care as much. They won't be talking about us as the us you know as any team as the champion as much. We won't get as much time to order our stupid championship merchandise. Mm-hmm. Um, Sports Illustrated, you know, God love them if they put out the stupid get your memorial. You know, Milwaukee Bucks champion, mm-hmm. big article that we put together using, uh, you know, cheap labor from small. <laughs> now that we've laid off all of our really good writers, um, <laughs> you know, like we won't be able to get those kind of pieces. So I don't know. That's a selfish reason for me. It's going to be very strange. I will still keep I, that same energy throughout okay. season if the Bucks win a championship. I'm going to let everyone know every single day. So <laughs> oh, don't worry. At, at least on my end, I will make sure. Can I you just it like just mark it as a scheduled tweet, please? If you do that, from <laughs> well, it's going to be if the Bucks win a championship. There will be a Bruhoop tweet saying "Good morning to the Milwaukee Bucks are your NBA champions." That will happen. <laughs> My my only not even pushback, but is that any different from any other off season? Like everybody loves losing their freaking minds at like, oh man, woes with the Dwight Howard tweet or whatever. Like every you know, as soon as that happens, and even last season, like the Raptors won, it was like cool for like a couple of days, and I was like, I cool. <laughs> they moved on pretty quickly. Like, All right, cool. Where's Kawhi going? <laughs> yeah, but pretty much. I mean, that was unique because of the Kawhi situation, obviously. But it feels like really what the differentiating factor is. We know, and I think a lot of the other NBA fan bases know that Milwaukee Bucks Twitter is a level of insanity beyond what seems to be present in other. I mean, Raptors Twitter is pretty similar. I think there are other ones that are kind of on a level playing field, but I think we could take it to an insane level where they might actually actually have to like ban Bucks Twitter because it gets so out of hand. And so I understand the concerns about the, the discussion moving on pretty quickly. Uh, I am going to be annoyed when people are like, well, Giannis didn't actually win a championship. That's going to be a super annoying take as we continue the vulture talk and move forward with that. But uh, I, I think we have the ability within our own space to drive it home and make sure that everybody knows we won. Even if the circumstances were the same, we're still number one, it, assuming we win, obviously. Obviously, if anybody else wins, I don't even care. It's not even a real championship. So I think that's going to be the way. I, <laughs> I think that's the way everybody's going to be going at it for the most part. Yeah. And of course, we haven't had word if there will be a um, summer league, which is always disappointing for me. Um, I don't know if anyone knows this, but I really liked watching to stay up and cover the Bucks china Summer league game last year, one of my favorite experiences. The return of E, the return of E was yeah. blockbuster. Yeah. The ratings are crazy on that Definitely piece, I remember. for the third quarter. Uh, <laughs> you can see that reflected in the recap. There's nothing better than a Friday <laughs> afternoon, 2 p.m. <laughs> experience of summer league basketball. Okay, so just overall, guys, before we take a quick ad break and then um, we talk about potential advantages for the Bucks. just overall, how do you feel about this plan? impact on the Milwaukee Bucks, their potential path to uh, the finals, potentially a championship, just overall. Why don't you start, Riley? I feel pretty good, actually. So the reasons why I feel good, putting aside the safety issues, let's say it all works out perfectly. It's just, this is the situation, whatever. I feel pretty good. I think the eight games are perfect for the Bucks, who are an older team, a team that has a system already in place and understands one another, but just to get kind of reconnected, get a vibe for each other, let the older players kind of get back into things. And related to that, Andy Giannis as well, and for all the players, this long rest, assuming that they've been able to keep in relative shape, I think it'll be really positive because Giannis was kind of dealing with some knee problems a little bit. Um, we're going to come back fully healthy, and that's the same for all the teams, but I think you could argue with how 
how good the Bucks really start playing early on in the season when they're healthy, even against really other healthy competition. Um, they're, they're almost impossible to beat. And the other thing I think we're going to talk about as the season goes on, and I, this is an original take. I've seen this all around the place. Eric Bledsoe, hopefully the weird situation, he's not going to have to deal with going into Toronto and having like this huge crowd that's all against him. Like he's going to be the spotlight guy in a way he will be, but he's not going to have all these external in the game pressures necessarily. So I'll be really interested to see how does he adjust to that? Does he play up to his potential? And if he does, that makes the bucks almost impossible to beat on a night to night basis. So I'm excited uh, for just the on course possibilities for Milwaukee. I think they could, they could do the whole damn thing even more so than, you know, the vagaries of like the weird traveling and going to other courts. And even if you lose home court, I think they, they should be pretty confident to win it all. I like Milwaukee's odds. I think all things considered, this is probably the best that you can come up with and still have a season be finished. It would have been more concerning if they were trying to finish this season and then go all in on trying to start the following season. It seems like they have some dates in place for an idea, but it's not, you know, set in stone. It's not like the NBA is like, okay, we're going to, here's our plan for the end of the season. This is what we're going to do to start the next season. So, all things considered, I like how it's going to be. I think for Milwaukee, it's going to be good as well because Milwaukee was just as good on the road as they were at home. And I think getting that extra rest, especially with Giannis and George Hill, Brooke Lopez, you know, older players that have more of injury history, letting them just recuperate and rest will be a good thing as well. So I think overall, it's as good as it can be considering the circumstances. Yeah, I, I would agree generally as well. I think given the fact that we'll we'll be able to go through the usual Eastern Conference slate as opposed to having to do any sort of the alternative formats, it's certainly a boon in Milwaukee's favor. I don't know about you guys. As as we've sort of moved further away from the season, I've started to feel uh, even better. I think about the Bucks' odds of coming out of the East. I was already, I was already pretty you know pretty in on them at least making it to the finals. Have, have your guys' opinions? changed altered at all in terms of your your confidence level uh, and then potentially making it to the to the finals i feel like i'm a little more confident and again that kind of goes back to even before with like everybody kind of being a little banged up or just moving on mentally um i think i would have been pretty confident of them going all the way now they were struggling a little bit right before the season end offensively um we'll see how that kind of shakes out as the games get going again but i think the beauty of it is yes, you lose the home court advantages, but you gain a total neutral courts. And when you're on a total neutral playing field, it feels like the bucks system wise, talent wise, you know, the players that they have, all those sorts of things that should aid them against again on a neutral playing field with the other teams, especially in the Eastern conference. So I would say overall, my confidence is up as well. I would say my confidence is still relatively the same, but that's because I had high confidence to begin with. If the only thing I would say is if I was a team like Philly, I would be a lot more confident now because you can try and get healthy and maybe everyone completely forgets that you're a complete mess of a team before the season <laughs> ended. But at the same time, Philly also didn't have – they won't have home court. So it will be interesting to see how all the other teams adjust to not having their home court. While for Milwaukee, like I said, they were just as good on the road as at home. So for me, the – expectation of making the finals is still there and the feeling of them, the confidence of them winning it is still, you know, a seven out of 10. I like it. I like it. All right, guys, let's take a quick ad break. And then on the other side of it, let's talk briefly about um, 
any some of the the ideas teams have had for home court substitutes for home court advantage and then go through our miscellaneous topics so stay tuned all right we are back guys there's been some really really savvy ideas thrown around um for the higher seeds and substitutes that they could potentially have because they won't have the obvious hammer of a of a home court advantage in a series um i wish uh, we'll, we'll embed the video in the uh, in the article on Brew Hoop, but I would like everyone to tune to this part uh, to see Riley's reaction uh, <laughs> the video. So, well, obviously, the first question is, do they deserve to have some sort of advantage? Um, and then, if so, I just want to throw out some of the suggestions that have been out there, and then we'll address the first topic. So, these are from an article that Dave McMenamin wrote on ESPN. Teams have tossed around potentially first possession of all quarters after the opening tip. Seven fouls for one player on a, on a team. That's what the team could designate. Extra coaches challenge. Um, this one I liked. Transport their home court so they could get the feel of a home court uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pick the hotel they stay at. That's interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, potentially, and then the more outlandish one is pick first round opponent which seems to be completely out the window. So mm-hmm. Riley, I know you feel strongly about this. Um, just address the first thing. Should there even be an advantage for these teams? That's a really good question. I'm at the point that I don't care about having a home court or any sort of like home court advantage. Um, I think this is just like thinking of the world cup idea. We're overthinking things. We're thinking about transporting entire courts. We're thinking about, uh, the extra, somebody gets an extra foul. I have an idea. I know which player on Milwaukee would get that extra foul. I just feel <laughs> like at this point, I understand why people would be bitter about uh, not having home court advantage and the Bucks were always really good at home. Um, however, I talked about this before we recorded, just try to keep things normal. It, it's not an ideal. It's a zany situation. Yes, you're going to lose the home court advantage, but I don't think that necess- like necessarily demands then a compensation of extra possessions, extra fouls, extra coaches challenges. Let's just keep it even. Let's keep it as normal as we can. I'm confident and maybe even a little more confident after this break that the Bucks don't necessarily need all those things. Um, I, I just we're overthinking things. If, if we're tossing all these out here, this is like the epitome of we have nothing else to talk about. So let's just come up with some more crazy ideas that might not have any sort of grounding in actual facts. So I don't think they need it. Be nice if they had it, but I don't know how you're going to make it happen where it's not just totally strange, weird, like off the wall throughout the seat, uh, the playoffs or whatever. So I don't want any of these, these ideas. I want to keep it as flat as possible. That's all I care about. Kyle, how about you? I think having, some type of home court advantage seems a bit much because home court advantage is mainly to reward teams that did well during the regular season. And another way you can reward teams for doing well during the regular season is giving them easier opponents in the playoffs. So, you know, for some teams, I don't know how transporting a court, maybe because there's some optical illusion that's there that could help them. But at the same time, it seems overkill to bring a whole court from, you know, imagine like the Portland Trailblazers wanting to bring their whole court all the way from Oregon to Florida. Mm-hmm. Seems a little much. I like the choosing the hotel idea. That one I actually think would be a good reward is you give the best teams the best hotel 
you know, I can just see the Milwaukee Bucks staying in this like luxurious Disney resort, and then you get to the Washington Wizards, and they're in a Motel Six down the road. <laughs> it would kind of be funny in that aspect. Kind of, I think that one would be a fair reward. But picking your first round opponent, that's as drama filled as that could be. That just seems like a bad idea. The seven fouls for a player seems dumb. I don't know why that needs to be a thing. The first possession for each quarter seems pointless because if you miss the shot, then you wasted it. I guess it, I just don't think the actual having the first possession really means that much. So as in today's NBA, just with the three point shot being as highly coveted as it is already, maybe back in the nineties, when if you were down eight, getting that first possession to get some, you know, that deficit down to five or six is better. But now in the NBA, you can score 14 points in two minutes with ease. So I would say the hotel one is the only advantage that I think would be a good one to implement for teams. What I think we need to do, especially for the Bucks, what they need to worry about is what are the Orlando Magic going to do? This is their home court. Like, are they, so one, are the Magic also going to be forced to be in the bubble? And two, if they're allowed to just be at home, like just chill out, like as per usual, I think a fitting home court advantage then for the Bucks would be all the Magic players have to play with a blindfold on for the first two <laughs> minutes of every game. And then after that, you go from there and you just see how it goes. But that would be my proposal if we had to play the Magic. Uh, otherwise, let's not get too crazy. Let's just keep it playing, please. Okay, well, that that one's pretty specific. I did read on ESPN <laughs> before this that the Magic will have to be in the bubble. So oh, okay. we, right. so there are no, no blindfolds will be happening. But, okay, okay. so the, the home court thing is, is strange because obviously the team has home court advantage, but they're really – they're just getting one extra game at home court and, like, mm-hmm. no one's really getting a home court advantage at all yeah. in this series. So um, let's, say, let's say this is only for one game. Let's say it's just for a game seven. If it goes to a game seven – one the home team home team higher seed gets an advantage i have a couple ideas for you guys um yeah. i'm i you know obviously i th- i think maybe i would lean towards uh, no advantage as, as coach bud said before this I, I was reading he said i'm just excited to get back and play we're hungry um we want to play uh, <laughs> i'm <laughs> I'm, like I'm glad it's good good to know that bud hasn't changed his interview uh, answering <laughs> style over the course of the pandemic still <laughs> pretty straight laced on all the answers okay all right guys um, just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down on these. The higher seed picks um, their in-house DJ to provide music uh, throughout uh, whatever sort of music and, and in, in arena experience they would like, as well as like the uh, public announcer. Uh, thumbs up. Sure. I'm down with that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Number two. They yep. can invite five fans in, five fans in. So Riley and I were talking about who the Bucks uh, would uh, might invite in. Um, we figured Dr. Dave would obviously be the, the number one. But um, so the team gets to invite five fans in, and they all sit right behind the opponent's bench. Oh, thumbs Kyle's down. Thumbs down. Go for it. We'll you know Kyle. the issue is the Toronto Raptors <laughs> will bring Drake, and that's going to drive me <laughs> up a wall seeing everyone tweet about it. No, I don't. That's like, true. I just that's don't a need point. a Drake. I don't need any – High-profile celebrity just showing up. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Number three, higher seed gets unlimited time for a free throw routine. Don't we already get that with Giannis? He already gets. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, doesn't seem that much different. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's uh, that's uh, this. Okay. Yeah. Number four. Now this one's interesting. At halftime, the higher seed gets to attempt a half-court shot. The mm-hmm. opposing team picks the player from the higher seed that will take the shot. <laughs> and if they make it, they get three points. 
I'll give the thumbs up just because I would love the drama of DJ Wilson being selected to try and send us to the finals. I think yes. that would be a beautiful thing to win us a championship. I feel like it should be worth more than three points, but... <laughs> All right, I'll give a thumbs up to that one. That's I like that one. Okay. The last one I have. The higher seed gets to pick the opponent's pregame meal they have to eat. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, that sounds messed up. Yeah, thumbs up just because that could get really messy really quick. That uh, that's dark, especially if you know if we all talk have... about the Jordan rules and game, <laughs> that flu game in which the Utah staff poisons pizza. I want more of those stories. <laughs> I'd like that one when they ask uh, they ask the whole team to put down like 10, 10 tenders from Popeyes and mm-hmm, then a couple yep. of red beans and rice too. Just imagine just having a Jimmy Grotto's Ponzerata shut down, <laughs> force them to eat it. Okay, good. So we have some viable ideas. So NBA, feel free to reach out if you need more. Um, In general, I guess we're against these ideas, but uh, if you need some, here they are. Okay, guys, let's move on to the miscellaneous stuff. It's time to bring back uh, rapid-fire questions. Riley leading the charge this time. It's been far too long, guys. It's uh, I miss this. I've enjoyed doing the interviews, but I have missed the rhythm of the miscellaneous section and all the other uh, random stuff we talk about. So this week on Rapid Fire, I have a couple of quick ones. One, have you been to Disney World? And two, if you have, what did you think of it? Yes, I have been okay. when I was in fourth grade. And I liked it. But at the time, I was afraid of rides, which is not <laughs> great for a kid that's going to Disney World. So um sorry. And, you know, to my parents in retrospect for being such a wussy <laughs> and not willing to go on rides. I've been to Disney World like two or three times. Um, but I was always a bigger fan of Universal Studios. Yes. The Hulk ride at Universal Studios. Yes. I, I rode on that thing maybe 30 times the day I went there. It was crazy. It's Although I did get terrified of the Jaws ride over there because like the fire, because the fire is, it gets really hot and then they have a mechanical shark just jump up at you. So there are some things that scared me, but Universal, I always enjoyed going there more than Disney World. All right. Uh, number two, should these eight, "Quote unquote regular season games should their stats for players and the teams count towards the regular season totals." So, like for example, we've been talking about how Chris is very close to a 50-40-90 season. I think he's like right below it on the three-point percentage. So, should these eight games count towards the whole season stats for everybody? Yeah, I say no. No, I think it's mixed. I think it can go either way. It's. it's difficult because what do you do with all the, I guess you just pause it for all the other teams and say whatever. I don't, it doesn't really matter all that much, obviously. But I think with how many minutes most of these players have played, they still would meet the eligibility requirements. So I figured, why not? Yeah. Would you rather we get a championship this season with all the asterisks, all the weirdness, all the craziness, or you don't get a championship this season, but guaranteed Giannis Supermax? So you either get a championship this year, no guarantee of Giannis coming back, or Giannis guaranteed coming back with no championship this year. I'll take the championship. Yeah. The championship and then hope hope that Giannis comes back. But even if he leaves, he's still a god forever and ever. I ever go with the championship because while it would be great to have more Giannis, there would not be a bigger fan moment for me than seeing a Bucks championship. That's a good one. With that. Yeah. Uh, 
which player from the Bucks are you most concerned about when they come back? So is there anybody, anybody that jumps out like I'm worried about this guy being rusty? Obviously, we can't predict from the outside, but I think everybody's might be like Eric Bledsoe, but hopefully he would offset with not having the pressure of the playoffs. So is there anybody that you're concerned about coming back, or do you think they're going to be pretty well rested and in shape? I'd say Marvin Williams. I feel like he has a lot of lost time that he didn't have practicing with his teammates. Maybe he got to know them more on a personal level, at least. So that's nice. But in terms of learning the system and learning players' tendencies, I would say he's definitely lost a couple months worth of figuring that out. I'd say maybe um, maybe Dante DiVincenzo. He was starting to get into a rhythm towards the end of the end of the season. Um, there was also that you know troubling interview on Instagram Live where I saw him briefly say he needs to do his heel exercises every day, or it'll you know revert back to being completely destroyed. So um, he seemed to be. I, I'm hoping he's okay. That's all I'm hoping because he's very clearly a key part of the rotation. It's a real downer that we went from Dante could be a bust to Dante could be the next MVP to Dante is living on Bellatron right now. <laughs> for that guy. Uh, for the final question, how do you prefer your eggs? Scrambled. How do you, okay. Over easy. I'm pretty egg agnostic. I just don't like them in omelets. So it's my you're agnostic. Take. I'm egg. <laughs> But up. That's all I got for rapid fire question. It's a good, a good note to end. Wait, on. so you don't like eggs at all, or just not? no? I like I like them in all forms. I just don't like them in omelet form. If I was to get like, I prefer scrambled. But I, omelet, it's like eaten dry, like way overcooked. I just don't like omelets. It's I don't want to get into it. It's an emotional topic for me. But maybe on a future podcast we can. Perfect. All right. Next <laughs> next section. Next section. Kyle's film review. What do we got? Oh, man, I watched a lot of movies since we last recorded, but I'll just do two <laughs> that I've good. watched recently. Uh, the first one was Guava Island, so starring Donald Glover and Rihanna. And it was interesting watching it because it's pretty similar to how the country is right now in terms of there's a population that more or less is under a authoritarian regime. And the leader is restricting Donald Glover's character from putting on a show. Kind of gave me a lot of Trump vibes of protesting, especially with him tear gassing protesters while he is on camera to walk across a holder Bible that he's never read in his life. It it just gave me, it very much gave me a, um, the parallels were similar. And along with that, at least in Guava Island, the music was a lot better than when all the celebrities sang Imagine and posted out on Twitter. So it's a short movie. It's like an hour at most. So a short film. I enjoy it, but I also love Donald Glover most, more than most people. So I gave that an eight and a half out of 10, mm. especially hearing some of the songs that are in that movie. I had like this is America is in it. A couple of his other ones are in it, so it's kind of cool seeing it in the movie context um, as well. So, Guam Island, a nice short film to watch. Um, so that was one movie, and then the other one um, was The Lovebirds. I don't know if you guys have heard or seen that one. It's on Netflix. It stars Issa Rae and Camille Nanjani. Um, so interesting casting there, but they it's kind of a comedy. I don't know if it's supposed to be a romantic comedy or just a comedy in general, but they pretty much witness a murder and have to, and everything that goes along with it. Um, definitely a lot of good jokes, a lot of interesting questions. I 
it's definitely a fun movie to watch. Give it an hour and a half, two hours. Easy to easy to follow. Both characters are really good at what they do, so I'm not surprised that they're able to knock it out of the park. So I give that a eight out of ten. Wow, strong reviews from Kyle. There were two good movies. I watched two good movies, I guess. I don't know. It was with the lovebirds, I had heard about it and I saw a poster and I thought it was going to be a true romantic comedy. But it, I think it was more of a comedy buddy cop movie style. So maybe that's why I enjoyed it more because it wasn't just a straight up rom com. Delightful. All right. So people, check out The Lovebirds on Netflix. <laughs> check out yep. Guava Island. Guava Island is on Amazon Prime. Gotcha. Okay. Next section. I know you've all been waiting for it. It's back. Vulture talk. Wait, is there a vulture talk this week? I don't know why the Mavs are on there. I was going to let you take it. <laughs> Did you find something? There's oh. been a lot of talk, like a lot of zany people talking about how all this lines up to Giannis leaving or just more crazy warrior stuff. But I see that Mavs are on here. I don't know if it was copy pasted from the last time we talked. Did you Did you see anything, Adam? No, I probably just forgot to edit it. <laughs> So. Well, just assume the Mavs said something about how Giannis loves Texas barbecue, and that's why he's going to Dallas. So that's, oh, yeah. that's all we got for Vulture Talk. It's just been <laughs> the usual. It'll get crazier once the games turn up again, and the first time the Bucks lose a playoff game, everybody's going to lose their mind. So that's that's all I got. For oh, first time the Bucks lose a seeding game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe the loss against the Wizards. <laughs> Giannis is going to Texas. <laughs> All right. Well, there is still. Do you have a fountain pen review? I do. Okay, I do. So I'm ready for that one. I we've done enough of these now that I don't remember which ones I have or haven't done. I think I still have two more at work that I have to bring in. So this week we have my Twisby Diamond 580. Um, I've already talked about a Twisby in the past. My Eco. Um, The difference. So the same company. It's a Taiwanese company. You'll be able again. You'll be able to watch on the video. You'll note if I found the other one, the Eco is a lot more boxy. This one's more of a rounder, like a little bit of a smoother shape. This is a medium nib. And again, the the key is to note, you can't really see on the camera too well, but it's a demonstrator. So you can see the ink and you can see that I have like an emerald green ink in here right now. Um, I really like it uh, for a steel nib. If you go too thin, like a fine or an extra fine, like how small the writing is, it can feel scratchy. I think if you're somebody who's interested in a fountain pen, uh, I'm sure I've converted negative five people to the cause at this point talking <laughs> about these things. Uh, I would suggest going for a steel medium just because it's that right in between of smoothness of writing for the most part for a lot of the brands. Um, it's it's going to still be small enough where you're not like, it's not smudging or anything like that. So I think that's the right balance and Twisbees are really good. Pilots are really good. Um, Diplomats are really good. Pretty much all brands, a steel medium at this point. Highly recommended nib. Um, the 580, I think, was like 50 bucks. So it's a little bit more on the expensive side. I'd probably start with an Eco just because it's cheaper. It's the um, entry level. So nothing too crazy, but, you know, it's a beautiful looking pen. It's kind of heavy in the hand. Again, you can see the ink, which is really cool for a demonstrator. Um, like with all my pens, I, I don't think there's any that I've really disliked. The two that I bring in in the whatever next couple episodes, I haven't liked as much. So I'll get into those a little bit. But Twisby 580, thumbs up. Wow. I'm. I'm on pins and needles waiting for the little more critical reviews coming up <laughs> these next couple of weeks. I hope yeah. all our listeners no. are too. 
I, I'm sure they are. Everybody's waiting for those takes, so they'll be coming. Don't they worry. really are. They're gonna fast forward up until like okay. <laughs> we'll put the, the timestamp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have the timestamp for only the, the fountain pen review on the back end. <laughs> oh, all right, guys. Well, any any closing thoughts on you know the NBA's official return? Anything we want to say before we sign off? Um, Basketball is back. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go for it, Kyle. I, I, I was going to go serious. Like, so right. excited. Make sure to support as many black-owned businesses, artists as possible if you want to help out in that aspect. Make sure that if you are going out to protest, please wear a mask. Um, wear a mask and help put a bandana over it as much as possible. Try and keep as much social distancing. Wear a glove. So for those of you that are going to do that, try your best to limit the risk of coronavirus as much as possible. I would echo all those thoughts. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's been listening to any of the interviews that I've done with everybody on the staff, um, depending on how we work out. I don't know if we're, us three are going to record again next week, but I know that I have Brian, a.k.a. Bucks Film Review. He's going to be on with me for whatever the next interview is. Um, so thanks for listening, um, kind of going through it as I've worked through the different interview topics and, again, echoing what all Kyle said. And we're glad that we were able to keep this podcast pretty short this week as we do every week. So uh, thanks for sticking along, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. Go to brewhoop.com. Um, follow everything that Riley and Kyle said, and we will uh, talk to you again sometime soon. Bye.